Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So, of course, the conversation around what has happened at American universities, and I say American universities, but the reality is that we shouldn't think that it isn't happening here in South Africa and all around the world, uh, where where there has been this strong move towards a certain narrative. Well, uh, it uh, turns out that. Uh, that this is happening now again at Harvard where a professor has been asked to speak or has uh, will be speaking somebody who uh, was very very uh, well who blamed Israel rather for the October the 7th massacre by Hamas and the question is of course we lord free speech and intellectual debate but should this be allowed and should this be allowed now we wanted to chat to Heath Sloan he's a Krauthammer fellow and a member of the Executive Council of Australian Juries Advocacy and Leadership a very good morning to you thank you for joining us how are you doing Thank you, Howard. Thanks for having me. I'm dialing in from sunny London this morning. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for doing that. Uh, so it, this is a very, very perplexing question because obviously we laud uh, freedom of uh, expression and intellectual debate, uh, but uh, it hasn't quite worked out the way we wanted it to, has it? Certainly not. And I think before we delve into the questions of exactly where the parameters of freedom of speech are here, I think we need to establish the facts. With this particular issue, this Middle East Dialogues event that Harvard is looking at running, Dr. Irakat from the Arab University indulges in a particularly pernicious inversion of the victim-victimizer paradigm. She views Israelis as the aggressors, including the civilians who were massacred on October 7th, and seemingly has no issue with Hamas and simply refers to their attack as legitimate resistance. Uh, I think it's also important to note that Dr. Irakat's social media posts leave us no doubt that she pretty well unambiguously considers the innocent Israeli men, women and children to have been deserving of October 7, everything that's preceded it and everything that's going to come after it. So I think that it's extremely concerning that Harvard would be prepared to offer a platform for somebody from a, by the way, extremely poorly ranking university to come to their university to then uh, voice a pro-Hamas line that is is not only uh, explicitly endorsing a terrorist organization, but also potentially infecting the minds of students on campus. Mm. The test that I always do is if you just remove Israel and Hamas and substitute it for something mm. else, you wonder how the university or the students would cope. So if, if you were mm. just talking about, you know, rape being resistance uh, in, mm-hmm. in another setting, you'd probably um, get a, an incredibly strong reaction not to allow this. But yet somehow it's here, like, when it's Israel and Hamas, uh, it's almost like anything goes. Certainly. I mean, if you substituted any other religious group, any other ethnic group, then quite rightly and understandably, that narrative collapses in on itself. But for some reason, Dr. Irakat and her ilk are more than happy to to make Jews and certainly Israelis the exception here, where apparently um, rape, murder and kidnapping is indeed okay. And Dr. Irakat has been doing this for a long time. especially since October 7, she's appeared on multiple uh, online interviews, 
where she's, in her own words, clarified that Palestinians and Hamas don't have an issue with Jews. It's just Israelis. You know, how are the uh, Jewish state with a you know 80 percent Jewish population? It's, it's really just Israel they have an issue with, which uh, I'm sure you would agree is a pretty uh, pernicious uh, narrative right there. Yes, it is a very str- well. It's not really strange because we've seen this developing over the years. How does it get? How do we change it? Because I think it's a, it's a very very difficult conversation to have in of itself. So if this wasn't happening within a greater, I mean, I hate to use the word context when it comes to Harvard, but if we're using it, looking at it in a greater context, you can see how problematic this is. In of itself, it might not be. Certainly. Look, I think that's a million dollar question. I mean, how do we tackle anti-Semitism? I think that in this particular uh, case here with the the Harvard issue and the proliferation of campus anti-Semitism, whether it's in my home country of Australia, whether it's here in the UK and South Africa, and certainly most visibly in the USA right now, I think there are two really important things that um, Jews, uh, people who support Israel and people who are caring and, and concerned about the future of these academic institutions need to do. The first is in the immediate short term is having mechanisms to uh, report anti-Semitism, to challenge anti-Semitism at the campus and faculty uh, and administrative levels. Uh, but that's only a stopgap measure that, that doesn't change the institution uh, at its core. I think at the same time as we're trying to push back on these incidents, voice our reservations and opposition to events such as these, we need to be build- building parallel institutions that can eventually rival the prestige and acumen of the great universities in our countries. Uh, they're not going to be built overnight. We're not going to have a you know top 10 ranking new university uh, built in an instant. But at the same st- at the same time, if if we can acknowledge that there are campuses that are perhaps far too gone when it comes to anti-Semitism, we still need to have places of, of higher learning where the truth and inquiry is still paramount rather than being mired in identity politics and especially uh, anti-Semitism. I think that uh, the tick for fund, which I'm affiliated with through my Krauthammer Fellowship, mm-hmm. is really taking this message um, in their stride. And I'd like to see more countries, communities and universities doing the same. The reality is, though, that Harvard and the so-called the Ivy League universities have done themselves mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of damage, even without this type of thing continuing there's definitely skepticism around Harvard when you hear the name Harvard now it just doesn't have the same association as it did six months or a year ago the reality is that they are fast becoming associated with almost feeble intellectual pursuit Hmm. absolutely absolutely and at the same time as as trying to uh, you know offer a range of diverse opinions for these panels, uh, at some level, they're still giving a platform to pro-Hamas sympathies or those who are very happy to condone uh, Hamas's attacks on October 7, uh, purportedly in the name of inquiry and free speech. Uh, having looked at the lineup of the panelists for this particular dialogue, you know there are some other heavies there who will be able to challenge her narrative very clearly and articulately. But that being said, I think it's important to acknowledge that for this particular event, Harvard is indeed offering a platform when they don't have to, to a, a, an individual who is going to make arguments that condone and justify violence against Israelis and Jews. 
And it, I think that Harvard, at a time when it's, like you pointed out, uh, come under such deserved mm. uh, scrutiny for its issue with anti-Semitism, uh, you've got to wonder who's who's thinking this is a particularly good timing for an event of this nature. Uh, not my poll, but clearly one that they were prepared to stand by. Well, that's what I found completely bizarre, because surely, given the circumstances, there would be a little bit hmm. of sensitivity to it. But there doesn't seem to be. Certainly not. And in some of these institutions, we're seeing a doubling down of um perhaps tolerating opinions that are at their core or explicitly anti-Semitic. And while Harvard can say the right things and make the right moves to say it's uh, combating anti-Semitism on campus, at the same time, you've got students at Harvard suing their own university for not dealing with anti-Semitic faculty. Rabbi Hershey Azahi of the uh, Harvard Chabad warned back in December that anti-Semitism is, quote, thriving on campus. And several highly prominent faculty members, members, including the dean of uh, the particular school where uh, this event is taking place, have all spoken out against anti-Semitism on campus. So this is all concurrent to Harvard then opting to have an event giving a platform to a blatant anti-Semite. What has happened with the approach? Because, I mean, we've seen the resignation of the president. Where, where is Harvard in this process? I think I, I would hope that Harvard it is is uh, in a place of introspection and trying to sort out where they should be going in the future and how they can prioritize the safety and security of students, including Jewish students on campus. But that's, that intention seems to not be matching with Harvard's uh, activities and what they're, they're currently doing in terms of platforming anti-Semites and still allowing anti-Semitic rhetoric, demonstrations and publications who exist and proliferate on campus. So it's hard to see exactly where Harvard's going from here. But the sad thing is, Howard, that regardless of what happens in the next few weeks or months or has already happened since October 7, Harvard will still have the Harvard name. It will still be an Ivy League university. And people will eventually forget. They will forget that these discussions happened, that anti-Semitism is and was rife on campus. And they'll still send their kids off to Harvard, notwithstanding. And I think that in order to change that that narrative, we need to give alternatives, and we need to be encouraging uh, freely free thinking uh, students to consider other universities where anti-Semitism isn't given a platform. Absolutely astounding that this is continuing. One would have thought there would have been some form of improvement, but we are simply not there yet. Heath Sloan, he's a Krauthammer Fellow and a member of the Executive Council of Australian Juries Advocacy and Leadership. He has been chatting to us from London this morning.